Just a quick message before the show begins. We're a year in now and I've really enjoyed doing this and I hope you've been enjoying it too. If you have, then please like and share the content and get in touch with any thoughts and feedback and hopefully we can keep growing the show and getting more incredible guests. Thanks and back to the show. I'm Adam Gow, the DJ formerly and sometimes currently known as Waxon. Welcome to the Once a DJ podcast. DJing and DJ culture have been a huge part of my life for better or worse. They've given me a massive buzz at times and loads of stress at others and taught me a load of valuable lessons along the way. On this podcast I speak to DJs from around the world who've made the names when it was just about skills and selection, not social media followers. We'll discuss their journey through Ascendancy and what part it plays in their life now. Whether they're still on the scene, said goodbye to the decks forever, or still get a sneaky mix in when life gives them the chance. Whatever road they've travelled, they were always once a DJ. Peter Parker, aka Dan Baxter, thanks very much for coming on once a DJ today. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Excellent. So we've got a lot to get into today. We had a little chat the other day. And we want to kind of talk about your background and then all the weird and wonderful places that scratching, turntablism and finger thing have taken you. So um, let's start from the start then and, and talk about how you got into hip hop. What's your story or route into DJing? So my or one of my earliest memories is like my mum and dad's record collection. On a Saturday, they would go to town and do the shopping. Normally I would go with them, um, but on the rare occasion that I wasn't, and like I've got an older sister as well, she's nine years older, like they'd be at home and I'd be downstairs and going through their records because they, there was just something weird about like this giant thing, you know, like this giant square that like had this like, (laughs) had like this sick artwork on it and all this stuff and who were all these people and yeah, like the the the, te- the sort of separate Technics hi-fi stacker that they had. My mum was yeah. into like, um, like, like soul music. She really loves the stylistics and that, uh, you know, like very vocal heavy <clears throat> soul. Yeah. Um, which I'll be honest, wasn't really like, the stylistics was the one thing that I didn't really go to much, but I'll never forget <laughs> the name. But anyway, so, and my dad, like, I'd like Thin Lizzy, Johnny Cash. Um, but the there was two real standouts. One was the War of the Worlds soundtrack by Jeff Wayne. I don't know whether okay. you know that. The dun, yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. And uh, with that, that was like a gatefold LP and it had this, like, big booklet with it that was sort of, you know, like all uh, painted and yeah. it kind of went with the went with the war of the worlds soundtrack but yeah the, but my favorite or my, my you know sort of my golden memory is um oh a bit of jeff love oh mate come on jeff love right big big movie themes anyway so this um i just used to look at james bond with the gat thought that was sick jaws <laughs> though yeah jaws was was yeah. the one and i'd turn it over and look at these and like imagine you know, I'm like, oh yeah, look, it's like little bits and bats from all of the different releases. Like, what do they sound like? And um, the Jaws theme in particular, I would just sit and listen to that. And I'm probably four, five, like I'm talking like my oldest memories, you know, like if there was anything that I could 
do, I learned to use their hi-fi and I would put the record on, you know, and listen. But Jaws was my go-to thing, even as a young kid, because it, it, it because of the feelings that it conjured, I guess, you know. And yeah. uh, my brother's like a massive metal fan. He was like into metal and punk. My sister was into like new wave, you know, like uh, Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, everything from all that time. That's how it, that's how it went. You know, if I was upstairs, my brother would be blasting like heavy stuff. You know, if it was Saturday morning, my sister would be like doing her hair and stuff. So like, you'd have like Rio by Duran Duran on <laughs> like bla blasting. And, and, and you know, and so one thing about Rio as well, yeah, like my brother felt like, so there was like this, the Rio, the video for Rio was like naughty. Yeah? It had like girls like mud wrestling and that. <laughs> when it when it came out, who went straight down W. H. Smith's to get it? Or my brother. So that's another memory I can remember. It's like seeing fucking you know, like Duran Duran and like mud wrestling girls, like while Rio's playing. Like you know, I don't even know what year that came out, but yeah, that's growing up with it just the uh, everyone had this love, but no one played anything. Yeah, there was no instruments, there was no access like that. It was this fantasy world you know it was just like hearing this stuff all over the house loud because he, everybody likes it loud you know but like but my brother would obviously go one step too far and that created issues my dad would just turn the power off to the house <laughs> do you know what I mean just flip the lecky off like after shouting a few times it's like and then if that happened it, like that's pretty serious, you know. Like, so you basically lived in a sound clash. Yeah, I, I had the same passion for my brother's records because they were all metal and stuff like that. So the imagery and everything was even gnarlier. I love that shit. Yeah, you know, like is uh, it like Maiden and stuff like that? Then come on. So yeah, Run to the Hills. That was my first seven inch. Like, because again, I buzzed off the imagery of Eddie, and then you know you see him, and it's got the puppetry and with the devil yeah. and all this. Shit. It's raw, mate. Like all that. Like, come on. Like I love that. Yeah, the the, the Maiden artworks. Uh, it's incredible. I think something about a lot of that um, that era of rock and metal, that eighty sort of hair stuff. It's like Twisted Sister and stuff like that. It's all kind of like, fuck the system. And it's like the videos, it's often, it's just teenagers not taking shit off anyone as well, isn't it? And like... That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of like, you know, you would get like elements of society trying to take the piss out of it, you know, but it is actually this huge, like, fuck you, you know, like, we're just yeah. going to do, what you know, like, whatever. And uh, that's kind of like the spirit that I grew up with, you know, from a very, yeah. from an age even before I understood what it was, you know, because of my brother. <laughs> and um, just to get back to Iron Maiden, Aid advert. I mean, I, don't, I suppose there's people all over the world, but in the UK, Aid, and there was Daley Thompson, who was like the sickest athlete at the time, but there was an instrumental tune called Phantom of the Opera. That's Iron Maiden, like... Um, You'd have, you'd have to you'd have to go ah, to okay. it so go go YouTube like Lucas A Daily Thompson I made and Phantom of the Opera and that, and again that's another thing that just like resonated so hard you know like and that doesn't even have like lyrics on it it's just like the music and the power and the strength of it you know what what was what was the early hip hop that got you then was it like Run DMC and stuff so the so. <clears throat> 
so because my brother was like a diehard like metal fan, like at that time, it wasn't like it is now. It wasn't like, you know, he loves hip hop now. Fucking didn't back then, mate. Because <laughs> at my, my school, when the electro tapes came out and everyone went crazy for like, for hip hop, Dougie Fresh, the show, is actually, I, I think that might be like 1986, you know, and, yeah. and uh, Herbie Hancock, like, uh, like Rocket, like the message in that, I don't know, I, I, I can't really, I can't remember. It was, it was, yeah, there was something about um, Dougie Fresh and hearing like human beatboxing and that. I, I traded like a, a, this, so, you know, when you used to have like computers back in the day and you'd load games off tapes or whatever. Yeah. You get a, so one guy would take, if I had, a, I had a Spectrum and I had one of these tapes, but it's also got a mic on it. And this other kid's got a Spectrum and he's got one. So you get both, you take it round to his house and then put both the units together. And then you could do tape to tape in the most sketchy right. fashion, you know. But that's, <laughs> so I swapped a, a tape with Electro 6 on one side and Electro 9 on the other uh, for an issue, uh, for uh, issue two of Oink magazine, which was like this, this magazine for like, it was like kind of not, it was like naughty, you know, like they yeah. really pushed the boundaries on what you could sort of get away with. And then it was like just risque, everything about it, you know. So, and uh, <clears throat> these dudes, the twins at my school, like they were part of this, like on this one estate. It was like the the, the estate was like a circle, and and on the grass on the inside is where everyone used to play. And for some reason, all the dudes that were into hip hop were all on this estate, but you couldn't get in. You know, it's like this kind of. And I just imagine what's it like, you know, like what's it like in there? Like everybody's just like so hip hop, whatever. <laughs> but um, and, it, and I, they wanted this this magazine, like yeah, swap it, yeah, I want Electro Six, Electro Nine, let's go. I took it back and and played it to to uh, our Andrew, like, and he was just like, "What the fuck's this shit?" You know, like it's just that's fuck that. You know, it's it's shit. You're not listening to that shit. It was weird. It was like it sort of created a little. I suppose for the first time, a little like little bit of a rift in that, like, nah, this is this is where it's at, mate. It's you. Was that was that weird then? Because I'm guessing here that if your brother was quite a bit older, that you probably like looked up to him a lot, and it must have been weird to have that disagreement. I'm guessing. It, yeah, it was a bit of pill. It was a bit of pill, but it was it was dead brief because, to be honest, like, um, yeah, to be really honest, like the hip hop thing, it like lasted for as long as it lasted in schools. You know, so that could be with some kids like forever, like as you know, like guys who grew up with it and make make it and whatnot. With me, it was a snapshot. It was a snapshot in time. Like I, I, I was mad for it for a bit, but I guess and my sister bought me a Nike headband and some Nike sweatbands. That was really important. And I've like, um, I remember I wanted this tracksuit, and but it was all like all that stuff, mate. It was so expensive, and it was like it just seemed like yeah, it just. I didn't. I didn't stick with it. Like the hip hop stuff, it just, it just kind of veered off again. And I guess like as as time went on, it was just full on metal, metal, metal. Uh, you know, so much so that my first gig, my brother, like for my eleventh birthday, he took me to like the nineteen eighty seven Monsters of Rock festival, oh, nice. which was just insane, like an insane experience. Like my experience of what a good good gig. Is you know like is yeah that 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 sort of that monsters of rock was Donington wasn't it? It was Donington, yeah. It's exactly that, and it was. So it how was, old was your brother? 
He's 10 years old, so he was 21. And he took you to blow my neck? Yeah. That's a lot of responsibility. For a guy that's not that great at handling responsibility, it really is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blimey. Like, the, first, the stuff I saw, mate, like... Yeah, like it was just like I say, it's like that's what a good gig is. But I've got yeah. these, I've got these, so I, but I've got these memories, you know, like of stuff, like bottles of piss flying through the air, and you know, like because they would have like beer, they'd have these beer, like these beer containers, <laughs> these fucking massive beer containers that look like you know, like Castrol GTX, you yeah. know, like the stuff you buy oil in, but they were see through. Yeah, so they kind of fill them up with beer, but then as you're going through the day. You know, like I'm in this crowd, and there's a my brother was with maybe two or three of his mates, and we were there, and they were looking after me. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't like oh, you just go run along now, you know, but it definitely was like I was seeing all this through my eyes, which was you know because yeah, like these so-called balls of beer are flying through the air, you know, that ain't beer, mate. And then, you know, it starts, it, that is, you can smell that shit, that, you know, oh, like, yeah. mate, this is fucking raw, you know, and that's how it was. And I was seeing like wasp, I don't know, you know, like, like Megadeth anthrax and, and this band called wasp that were like, like, again, like naughty, you know, and like the, the boundaries that you could push at that time, mm. like Alice Cooper, and his tour would have like a lot of horror imagery and stuff like that. And Wasp were exactly the same. Like it, you wouldn't even be able to get away with it in this day and age, mate. To be honest, they brought on this like this this girl that was like all like like this fucking on this rack and everything, you know, like just all this yeah. fucking imagery where it's like shit, mate. <laughs> you know, but I'm just clocking that as a kid, and I'm like, woo, that's a top gig, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like. When did hip hop come back in for you then? Right, so <clears throat> skateboarding, like it yeah. was, it was starting skating because, like, uh, the in in crew, the skaters, it was like, and it was also like a gang. It was like a, it was like it wasn't just a, a conglomerate of people, but the, but again, almost like you know what you when you were going back to like like Twisted Sister or whatever, like that mentality of like, nah, fuck you, we're here. And we're, yeah. stay, we're staying here. And um, I loved that. And I was drawn to it. And so I, I got my first skateboard, but I didn't really... It took a while before, I think, even before venturing into town, I just taught myself how how to how to skate. You know, that's why I do it wrong. I'm a Mongo pusher or whatever, you know, like kind of push the wrong way or like the yeah. other way around. And um, But yeah, we'll go and clock these dudes in town and just slowly kind of became part of that crew and then you just kind of soak up everything that was right happening at that time which was like hip-hop and punk and you get the skate videos and i'd watch them and it's like no nah, it's okay you can have one dude that's into metal and then the next guy it's like he's into hip-hop yeah like seeing that it was okay to like them both and that was when it started to yeah, it was. It was like you know, it's it's okay to like all of this stuff. And actually, I think at that point, I made a conscious effort to like try and like everything. You know, like I'm just gonna be all right with everything. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I suppose you had a good start with that, given the the mass variation of music in the house as well. You you're used to not being too aligned to one style and representing one specific thing. 
exactly not me like my my like it's going back to the jaws thing and strings you know an orchestra like that that held a type of weight that is it's it's incomparable to like somebody yeah if you're a metal band or whatever and you've got a guitar that's going right in someone's face like yeah it's going to do the job you know but it if you've got an orchestra doing the same thing, that's way deeper, way, way deeper. And the sort of potency of that, you know, I was into that even like, like I say, you know, even before the metal. Yeah. So when did, when did DJing start? So, um, so I got into the, I got into the science of it, I guess. Like I wanted to, I wanted to mix. So it was all from skating. There was a, there was another crew that, that used to come, and turn up in crew in a Safeway car park and um, that were from elsewhere. And uh, when they would arrive, they'd come like speeding into the car park, blasting tunes, you know, out of a ghetto blaster. <laughs> it was like, do you know what I mean? Every, it was just perfect. And then they'd just rock up and this kid would get out, right? This kid, this skinny kid. And just, he was sick. He was sick. He was just had this style for days. And, um, they, it, this this happened over a few 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 months, you know, like they come down every few weeks, and then after a week you get talking or whatever. Turns out that one of them he's got turntables. I don't even know how we got into it. And I'm like, shit, man, what you've got your own set of turntables like this, you know? Prior to this, actually, I'd got a realistic mixer um, from Tandy. I had a hi-fi yeah. stacker. I had a hi-fi stacker, and I remember I was like, I have to get a mixer. There was a guy at my college. And I swapped him, like some rare comics, or I think I just sold them. Or I, I, I can't remember how I fucking did it, but I got the money for this real estate. I think it was eighty quid, and it had like the dials on it like that. Yeah, you know, it was just yeah. Like, like yeah, that's the real shit. You know, it didn't have a, it didn't. I don't think it had a crossfader. I don't know. I don't, I might just I don't think just, it did. No, it just had like these up faders. But I got, I got the video from downstairs. <clears throat> brought it upstairs, and I took my hi-fi separate apart and i had a a double tape deck in it so i basically ended up somehow being able to play a record on one side and then i would have i would go to some of my favorite funniest bits from like certain films or whatever it would be you know and and have that and basically kind of play the record or i play the play the play the bit of video like for 30 seconds and then get the record like and then go over to that one and then like rewind the video like that and the whole time I was doing this process I would be recording it on the tape deck so I would make these like little like they call them pause tapes like you know uh, I was doing that and I had no idea what I was doing I had not like that's the thing at that time like I didn't know anyone or any who's doing any of this stuff you know I'm just I'm just doing it because the method it's all there I've got this mixer you know yeah and um, that was the start. Anyway, jump back to this kid getting out and being sick. He could do like 360 flips and that. Without, there was no like, what, you know, this kid, man. Anyway, got chatting. Like, yeah, he's got turntables. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I've got to get around this guy's house. You know, <laughs> how do we, how do we, like, I just want, just want to see him. But this must yeah. be like 1991, 92 or something. It was crazy. But over this period, oh no, it might even be 93. Because I end, I did end up going around this guy's house, and uh, they had a uh, he had a he had a copy of the Wu Tang album, 
but it's yeah. on tape, you know, like I just, it was just like a nasty, like copy or whatever. It's like, and he was like Scottish. This guy's like, what, you not heard of Wu-Tang? You know, like, it's like fucking, like, oh, like what, what's that? And I'd been, you know, developing like a passion for like hip hop stuff f- for years before that. And uh, I went to see like Cypress Hill and House of Pain when they did their tour, you know, like uh, Manchester Academy like after jump around and all that went nuts yeah. you know but before that it was kind of like beastie boys and oh yeah so i went around to the guy's house had a bong and listened to listen to the wu-tang album and you know he's he's there he's got a set of turntables and like i've got this little record collection because i've been going and getting a few bits from amiga records which was like a place in crew and um I don't know whether it's like I say I'd seen Juice before or or but it was just this obsession. I had to see turns. I had to see some turntables. Maybe I'd seen Juice and already made the decision that that that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So I think because I'd heard scratching and that, but I didn't really know what it was. You know, yeah. like you kind of hear it on records and and stuff like that. I remember um, like all the Public Enemy and everything, all that stuff, NWA and you know, but not really knowing what the crack was. You know, just not knowing how it was made or anything. But then being around this guy's house and actually seeing the turntables, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to sort of put into words how, how, how deep it went within me, you know, like I, this is, this is me. This is like, I want well, like the, instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Like I'm having turntables. Like I want turntables. Like, and I, I, you know, that's just the way it's going to go. Like, I'm going to be like this scratch DJ. Like, I want him in my room. In juice, he gets what, you know, like his mum's like, he's got his headphones on and all that, you know, and I'm just like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I have to, that's the path I have to follow. And my brother had, my brother had left. <clears throat> my brother, like, yeah, like he, he left. I can't remember how old, how old I was, maybe 20, I was maybe 14 or something. And he left. And when he left, it's kind of like it just became about what I wanted, you know. Yeah. And uh, although he did come back, he did come back after a few months, and then it all went tits up for a, like for, for a bit. But then he went again. And um, <laughs> yeah, although I do love him, but yeah, all this stuff did happen. And um, yeah, so it, it became like it became. I suppose it became an obsession. You know, it became like the want. Uh, I, I, you know, I want, I want some turntables and all that. Yeah. So what did it take to then get some? <laughs> so we formed like a great friendship, like me and Sai and his whole crew, all them dudes, like they were all like ultrasound and like we bonded through skating anyway, but it was just like I, with those dudes, like I definitely found like I had my crew in crew, but these guys were like an extension of so much so that, that's what we did. We just started spending all of our time together. And uh, one of them was really good. And he went to Venice Beach. He's like, I'm going. I'm going to go and I'm going to get sponsored. You know, like that whole thing, like you want to live the dream. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the time. That's what, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bail or bust, as they say, or I don't know, whatever. He went out there, fair play. And uh, a few months later, Sai, the kid who I said was like mad talented, he was like, I need to do that, you know? And I'm like, you, you could, like, you, you're so good. Like, you just go out there and, you know, see see what happens. 
And he's like, would you be interested in buying my setup like this? You know, this was, this was like maybe October, something like that. I was like, hell yeah. Cause it was everything. He had these sick old Wharfdale speakers. He had this Technics amp. He had these cam, yeah. he had these cam direct drive turntables, but they were like, you know, I don't know whether anybody's got any experience with those, but the torque and the motor, it's, I don't even know what you could compare it to, but it's, it's, it's weak. So yes. very weak, you know, so like, but as a something, they're turntables, right? And um, his mixer, I can't remember where he bust it or something, but anyway, so the mixer was out of the picture, but he had the turntables, he had the amplifier all and the six speakers, everything. let's go, you know, how much? And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't much, you know, it wasn't much into the, like, I don't even say, I don't even say maybe about three, 300 quid, something like that. Really? You know? Yeah, maybe three. Uh, but at that time, that's a lot. You know, I'm like, right, I'm going to get the money. How, how am I going to do it, you know? And uh, I spoke to my mum and dad, and I was like, can you lend me the money to get these and I'll pay you back or, or whatever. I can't, can't remember how, how we worked, worked it out. I know I, I, I ended up working in the Royal Mail because there's a sorting office in Crewe. I ended up working there because I had my eyes on this Newmark mixer as well. So I'm like, I'm going to go and do that and I'm going to earn the money and get this Newmark mixer and then I've got this set up and then that's it, you know, it's game over for everyone else, not me. And uh, <laughs> and so I did. I got the, they, 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 they were amazing. They were like, yeah, I can't remember how old I was at this point. I think I was still at college, still at art college. You know, where which was just a really confusing time for me. Absolutely, um, uh, because I, I I went to do a, a national diploma in graphic design, and I didn't even know what graphic design was. I just <laughs> I just liked the idea of like it was like graphics, yeah, like what like video games and that they've got good graphics and that, yeah, like designing, yeah, all right, let's go. And the reason I took the reason I wanted it is because the course was. At a place called Mid Cheshire College, which was outside a crew. So the stipulation was that yeah, I get on a bus for forty minutes and go to this art college. I'm like, so I've got to get on a bus and get the hell out of here, and then go and do art all day. Come on, like sign me up, you know. I I actually didn't even get the qualifications to get in. <laughs> like it was a harsh time, uh, but I, I took some sketchbooks and that that I had. And my mum was like, they were like, oh no, she spoke to him like, come down anyway, you know, bring some examples of work. So I took in these sketchbooks. Whatever. And they were like, yeah, okay, we'll let you in. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying Winter DJ. I wanted to create a product for the listeners to be able to support the show and for the guests as a token of gratitude for being on. So I've teamed up with Sure Shot Shop to create some Winter DJ 45 RPM adapter clamps. These are my weapon of choice as a 45 adapter as they add stability and grip to aid you in any setup. These are available for £25 each plus flat fee postage from oneadj.bigcartel.com. And if you'd like to see the other models you can buy and also customise, check out showshotshop.com. If you're a DJ who's been wanting to get into production but don't know where to start, or if you're looking to level up your beat making skills, look no further than howtomakemusic.co's online courses and personal coaching. Chris, the founder of How To Make Music, as well as knowing a load about music production, was once a DJ, and so his courses are ideal for the likes of us. 
From the Music Theory Essentials course to the incredibly thorough Ableton Turbo Start, there's a ton of good information to get you developing your music production skills. In addition to the video tutorials, there's a load of reference guides and they even offer personal coaching to get you where you want to be even quicker. And if you buy any course at howtomakemusic.co using the code ONCEADJ at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. So what are you waiting for? Visit howtomakemusic.co. Um, so yeah, you were just saying it was confusing time because you did graphic design. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it wasn't going well, yeah. The course, in terms of like um, the output and the stuff that I could, that I'm basically what I'm capable of, and what I was doing were two very, very different things. But uh, the is, whole is that, that whole point is, is that because of with art and designs? Is it because you've got to work within a certain f framework and set of rules rather than just be creative? That's exactly, exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. But unfor so unfortunately. That whole time, I spread my wings and I started to become who I was as a as a as a person. Or ever, you know, at that age, it was kind of like getting out of crew. No offense, it was like, or it was my school. It was my everything, you know. And the way that I was, the the way that I I just I felt so alone. It was weird, like by that, you know. And it's just like if if that's the case, then I have to go somewhere and just be, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, so but like I say, I I took this graphic design course and all them rules, mate, and all that shit. It was just like it was just the worst. It was the biggest turnoff for me. Like I just couldn't really be. I could. I just couldn't be asked with it. I just couldn't be asked with it. Yeah. Until at a point we would get onto a topic where my passion would ignite, you know, like say anime and manga at that time. Like I was crazy, you know, like Akira and Fist of the North Star and all that stuff. Yeah. And they hadn't even, they didn't even know what that was. Do you know what I mean? At my, at the, during this graphic design, they should. <laughs> but then I, I, so it's like, just do a dissertation on something you buzz off. Right, let's go. Boom. It's a week later, I got a distinction. Right. That's the only time though, because I didn't even pass the course. I didn't even I didn't I didn't fail and I didn't pass I just didn't finish it, you know. Yeah. Like um, because I was, yeah, it just wasn't interesting to me because of exactly what you say, you know, because of these kind of parameters, too many parameters, man. And um, but but at that time, um, I became best friends with Chris Drury, who became a member of Finger Fink. I'll get to that yeah, in, a, in yeah. a bit. But he was like he had a haircut like MC Search. And he had the fucking third bass albums and all this shit. <laughs> and all the other dudes there. There was another kid in the class who was into like ghetto boys and all this stuff. So, you know. It's a funny time that particularly the 16 to, say 16 to 21, you're just trying to work out who you are and what you want. And, and you're expected to make these decisions about what sort of educational path you're going to go down on what vacation when you still don't even know who you are. So I've come through, I've come, I, I've just been through all this with the guy, with the, um, this ADHD assessment and he's asking me all these questions, yeah. you know, and, and the, the questions it's like answer as a youth, childhood memories and answer as an adult. And I went through it for, for about a week cause I'm writing down this stuff and I'm like, hang on, this goes way deeper. Like the, you know, um, the school system and how, how, how you were, how it was, how your experiences, you know, like getting it thrown out, like in art class or like, 
yeah, like where I'm supposed to be good, I'm getting thrown out and I'm in my art books, I'm doing drawings of radiators and curtains because that's what's in, that's what's outside the classroom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. And, and, and this is all stuff that I'm writing down. And like you say, when I got to sort of 16 and I guess maybe this stuff's really kicking in, and I just want to spread my wings. Like that is, it's the best way I could put it. But at that time, I kind of, I'm going, I'm, I feel depressed and that, you know, because I didn't get the grades I wanted. In, in school, I didn't get what I wanted to get into college. And then I'm at college, I'm like, this ain't what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I mean? after all that. Yeah, after all that, it ain't what I wanted. But I tell you what, all these people that I'm with, this is what I want. You know, this kind of community of people that think like me, or like at least they're into hip hop and or, or, or they're into graffiti or like. I don't know, into metal or I, I just, I had like so many, or skating, I had all these passions for all these different things. So it's like, I could get on with a lot of people, you know? Yeah. So when, when was it, was it this point where DJing did, and was it, was it kind of because of this kind of love hate thing with design and art and graphics, did that kind of push you more down the route of DJing? So what happened was it all came to a head where these constant things of it not really going right, I I, I didn't... So the, the college course, I even retook an extra year. Like, I, I, like I blagged them because I was enjoying the college. I was enjoying the experience, getting blitzed every day and, you know, just hanging <laughs> out with people. I was having the time of my life, you know, meeting people like Chris and that. But then, like, the course was two years long and... You know, I remember Chris like, Dan, like, are you not going to finish this work? Are you not going to? And I'm just like, uh, I don't really know. It's it's hard to it's hard to explain. But I guess like at that point, I've already adopted this kind of persona as like a stoner guy. Like that's how I, that's how I like to be. And, you know, if, why is he not in the classroom? Oh, he's probably there, you know. But I think it was also just like, I just, it wasn't igniting me with passion apart from the photography and when it went into the art history and a couple of these these different elements where it was like okay I'm 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 really into that you know but all of these things were only touched on as very light subjects you know so the general consensus of like you're given this brief and it has to fit within there go do that you know oh please and um yeah so much so I, I just I took an extra year and I failed or I didn't sorry I like I failed to complete the course. Yeah, that's the best I, best I can I can put it. But at this time, I'm I'm a bit lost, and, I, and my parents are disappointed, and you know, or that's what I'm feeling. You know, I go through a, a few bummy jobs, uh, packing chickens in like this really cold place, uh, and doing all this like distribution stuff, warehouse like heart like stuff that it, I, I was just existing, and then I ended up in ASDA on a checkout. Yeah where I was expected to serve 200 people an hour and uh, like with with these like sweaty odd of a uh older you know ladies <laughs> yeah and um and 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 it was like when once I was doing that and that was my reality that was where juice came into play you know and this it's like I have to get out I have to get out of here you know and um it, it, that that whole thing, the turntables, acquiring the turntables, getting the mixer, coupled with I have to get out of here. 
you know, and my everyday experience of what I was doing. I used to finish work and run home. It's a 20 minute walk and I'd be fucking jogging to get back so I could get yeah. on turntables, you know. And um, again, not really having much exposure to like sort of stuff, just kind of winging it, you know. And I guess at that time there was a radio station. It was Sunset Sunset 102, uh, the Leaky Fresh Out to Distress rap show. I'm getting loads of stuff mixed up over two, three years here. Yeah, don't um, worry. So I'm going back and forth, but it'll all work out. And yeah. um, so we've got the Leaky Fresh Out to Distress rap show on Sunset 102. And uh, I remember tuning into that in crew. And I hear that, and I'm like, I'm in fucking New York. Like, I am not in crew. I'm in New York. I've got the Leaky Fresh Out to Distress rap show. I've got some turntables, and I've got juice. So what's going to happen is I'm going to... I'm going to enter the DMC because that's the only thing I know about where it's like the DMC is like juice. You know, I'm going to enter, I'm going to win, and I'm going to get the fuck out. That was it, you know. Um, and uh, what happened was <laughs> um, after getting the turntable set up from Cy, yeah, after about two months, he's like, uh, I'm not going to America anymore. It's not happening. Oh. I'm like, ah, oh, oh, that's that's shit, man. And he's like, can I have my stuff back? <laughs> and I'm like, no. no. No, you can't. No, you can't, mate. Like, yeah. And it, like, it started, it just, I guess, you know, like, the setup, and my excuse was, like, I needed that shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it became something different. Not only had we done this kind of business transaction, which was my Christmas present from that year, that was my Christmas present, yeah. but bundled in with money that I was earning from working my ass off in a sorting office. I, uh, and I've got this new Mark mixer now, mate, and there's no way you're having that stuff back. I'm sorry, you know? And I guess it, it created a little bit of a rift in, in you know, what to me was just like the most incredible friendship at that time like he was my guy you know because he basically enabled me to have like this opportunity and uh yeah it was a bummer and uh anyway we stayed friends you know we stayed friends and we're still hanging out and uh, i'm just talking about this as a moment you know because yeah. he ended up once i got this in my mind that i'm going to do this dmc thing he ended up handing me my records because we ended up watching dmc videos and sometimes you have these people who like you know if you yeah. have your boy or whatever he'll like give you your records i'm like mate you've got to do that shit for me like it's really important you know and he's like yeah i'll do it you know i'm like fucking buzzing let's go anyway so i'm at asda running home back and forth yeah like practicing on turntables like an absolute mad person like the, the I, I what i was intending to do was to fit three years worth of practice into a year and a half so i'm like i'm going to went to the 1997 dmc that's that's what i'm going to do and i think at this time it had gotten to like 1995 yeah so yeah you know, me and Cy had met and then I'd acquired these terms. So I've got my own little record collection. All my mates, we were all, everyone it was just into it. It was like, go on, mate. Go, you know, fucking, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm doing it, you know. And um, there was like this clear, like, it was like we'd go around to Cy's, get blitzed of an evening or whatever. And my mate Tay would drive us over. It was just, it was perfect. Listening to like tapes, things that I'd made or whatever, all the way there. I got my, 
my mates who were going like, this is dope, you know, this is dope, keep going, you know, and all that shit. And the cutting, you know, the, everything, it's just like... Was there a specific DJ you were looking up to at that point? Um, well, everything all at that time, it was all about, like, Westwood was on, yeah? And so Funkmaster Flex, yeah. uh, that was... That was like that was massive. The music, it was all like I was very much drawn to like New York, like that was all. And and even going back to the sunset and Leaky Fresh, um, Lord Finesse, you know what I'm about. That's the, from the Trespass soundtrack. That's the tune, like that says everything. That told me exactly. Do you know what I mean? Check it out for those that know me. You're wondering why I always play low key and all that. Like just and I was just like, that's I want to be like that. I'm gonna be that dude. Yeah, you know. And uh, I guess it was only a matter of time before we start looking to to Manchester and, you know, that's where you'd go for records, Fat City, Eastern Block. Yeah. And they always had, like, all the... Everybody who was in there, everything, it was like going was an experience because you don't know who's going to be in there, yeah? And even just going in there, like, Eastern Block, man. I remember going in there and I was just fucking... You know, I'm from Crew. It's not, it's not the same, you know? It's like, I ain't grown up in Manchester and I'm all around that. I'm from, you know, it's like, we'll go and just yeah. like these dudes, man. And I'd see uh, Sefton behind the, uh, behind the counter. It's just like this guy and he's just got this presence, you know? And it was just like, I loved it. I loved it, mate. I lo- like it because it just felt like, I don't know, should I be here? Should I, should I not be here? But it's all right. No one's saying anything and I love it. I could feel it. It's weird. You know, but I guess yeah. that's just it's just that energy, and 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 Fat City had exactly the same thing, and I, I don't know. I just like I just developed this like love for all of that stuff, and and then yeah, and the whole time, this sort of obsession with wanting to do the DM, wanting to win the DMC. So the time came round that that it's like, oh right, the regional elimination, Sheffield. Okay, that's not far. Let's go. Tay's going to drive me, whatever. Size going to have me records and all that. I'd never even DJed in front of a crowd, mate. I'd never really. Never, I'd not even done it before, you know. So, like the the day came and um, like I, I'd been practicing that hard. Like I knew, you know, I was like, I know that I can do this. And I went and there was like 20, maybe 24 dudes and they were given like three minutes or something like that and I'm sat there listening to them. Like, yeah, I've, this is this is mine. Like, I've got it, you know. There was one other guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he, he was like, you know, what guy, like where it's a little bit like, hmm, okay, that's pretty dope. He might do all right, you know, but this is mine. Uh, anyway, it came to the evening way different picture like i can remember this venue in sheffield i'd like this spike this um, brick painted brick spiral staircase going up to the top it was sold out and going up i could feel the moisture you know from the condensation it's all just the room's packed and i don't know yeah. i don't know what i'm in for you know anyway open the door and it's like <laughs> like this the waft of like you know sold out anticipation for these hungry motherfuckers <laughs> and I've never even done it before yeah yeah and it just hit me mate it just like the adrenaline was like I, I was excited to be there and it was what I wanted but the adrenaline was a real 
I would say like an overriding factor, you know, like my hands were shaking so much that at that time as well, like they had the, they had railings. I'm like, they didn't have them in the daytime. Why have they got fucking, you know, like you go around the other side and there's a, it's a barrier. You know, like they have in in gates, like right up to the, to the official DMC things. Uh, The barrier's right there. So you've got the sold out crowd. They're practically leaning over you. Do you know what I mean? Like the dude, like dudes, and um, and I go on and 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 I, I can hear this guy like look at his hands shaking. I can hear that, you know, while I'm doing my thing, or is it me? Is it am I just saying that to myself? You know, all this stuff. But these, this is my memory of that that night. You know, look at his hands shaking, and I was trying to be cool and do all the shit that you need to do. You know, that I'd practiced and I'd rehearsed in my room in front of no one. You know what I mean? But then it was just different. And I was shaking so much that it just put me off. My queuing sucked. And it wasn't like the ability wasn't there, but it was the adrenaline just completely got in the way. And uh, it came, they came to announce, and it said Tim Yeoman, Fast T, yeah? Shout out to Fast T. He won. He won because he's experienced. And he, he's done it before. Yeah. And he had, he had all the stuff. He had everything that I wanted. You know, and I, and, and, and it fucking nearly broke me, mate. And like, yeah, the winner, you know, and I'm like, he deserved it. He did win. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's it. It's over, you know. Anyway, then they're like, but we should add that the second place also goes through to the, you know, the UK final. And second place is Peter Parker. You know, and I'm like, sick. Like, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm still in. I'm still in. You know, I can still do it. And it became, and then I, and and at that point, it's like I built up a new obsession. I didn't even care about winning anymore. I just wanted to, I just wanted to beat Fast T because I knew that I could. That was it, yeah. you know. Um, and I think having that experience of doing it once, getting that under my belt, you know, and it became a little bit more comfortable. And then the the and that year. The UK final was being held in Manchester for the first time ever. It was being held outside of London. I'm like, mate, come on. That's you know why that is? Because I'm fucking winning this shit. You know, and all just all this stuff. Yeah. This is what you say to yourself, you know. And um yeah, but it was like in the final, it's like DJ Pogo, XL, Prime Cuts. <laughs> fucking scary dudes. <laughs> Mech. Yeah. From uh, from Ireland. Um, shouts to all them guys like mm. you know but um, yeah like again that was like another experience for me like going in and just being so is it like wet behind the ears you know what they say or that's yeah. like a saying you know if, you, if you've never really done it much going in and seeing Pogo sat there like fucking David Bowie in Labyrinth you know when he spins them balls <laughs> like that and he's spinning them balls and all that I'm like what the fuck's going on you know I'm like rah it's DJ Pogo I'm like what the you know and I'm just like ah, you know like I'm going to have to I'm going to is it digress I'm going to have to jump yeah alright let's jump yeah Fresh 97 yeah Fresh 97 was a, a hip hop festival that happened in the UK because of a guy called Mick Mottershead biggest love and shouts to that's Mickey Blue Eyes isn't it it is Hey up, Mick. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Mick. And um, this guy. Anyway, I didn't know that at, at that time. It's like Fresh 97's Invisible Scratch Pickles. Yeah. 
there on DJ Noise, uh, who at that time was like he's he was he was the guy that beat Rock Raider. Do you know what I mean? He he was ninety six ninety six champion. Come on, man! Like oh my god! Like the thought, yeah, that just the like a game changer as well. You know, an effortless game changer, um, and a pioneer, and 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 you know, and. He won, and it's just like, oh my god! And uh, it turned out that he was judging, yeah, he was judging. But just jump back to the fresh '97. Me and my mates had gone down. I think it was in Folkestone, and we got there that early in the morning that um, it was all shut up. And um, but I remember seeing Scratch Pickles came to get let into the venue, and they're there and they're fucking freezing. You could just see how cold they are, you know. Like, oh, yeah, you know. I'd never seen them like rubbing their hands together and all this shit. I was just like, oh my god, that's the scratch pickles. Like, it was crazy. And seeing other dudes, all these b boys like uh, Ivan and um, Jurassic Five as well. Jurassic Five also played, you know. So I got to see like Crook yeah. Chemist and Newmark before anybody knew who the hell those guys were, you know, all that. But this was like the first time they were over. And Fresh Night Seven, anyway, it was over a couple of days. This thing was again was like. You know, it wasn't like Monsters of Rock, but the the the, the vibe was different. Uh, but it was equally as good. In in that that was what I wanted. I wanted to be part of that. You know, and also there was dudes like the Rough and Mark One, like Jeep Beat Collective, and that they were from Manchester and they were performing there. So I'm like, this thing, everyone from the world, is someone from Manchester, like, come on, that's sick. You know, and all these dudes, yeah. and they would put all the country's names by it. Like this is a worldwide thing, and. I got there and walked in and there was a Street Fighter 2 uh, arcade machine. Yeah. And guess yeah. who's guess who's playing it? Fucking noise. And I went up to him and I'm like, uh, can I have your autograph or something like that? You know, I'm like, you're DJ noise. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you want to play? I'm like, are you kidding, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to <laughs> Like, let's go. So we ended up playing. I can't remember what happened, but it's just like, no way, man. I'm just having this experience, and it's like, can, can I can I can I have your autograph though? And he's like, what? We end up talking. She's like, oh, what's your name? I'm a DJ. My name's Peter Parker. I'm entering the fucking DMC. And he wrote this thing uh, to Peter Parker: uh, keep webbing it up, DJ Nice. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, oh my god, he knows who Peter Parker is. You know, like because no one knew it, or I didn't. You know, it's like no one really knows at that point. You know. And I was just like, this is sick, you know. And then over that weekend, I got Qberts and Shortcuts, Mixmaster Mike. I ended up chatting to Mike and buying a mixtape off him. And I remember he, I had a Razor Sharp Records T-shirt and he wanted to swap it. Because I don't know, he was like, that, your T-shirt's sick. Do you want, you know, or do you want to sell it yeah. or something? I'm like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but at that point, everyone was so Wu-Tang crazy, you know. I can't remember how, how, how I got that shirt, but... um. Anyway, jump forward to the DMC that day. Noises are, yeah, noises a judge. And um, I, I went, did my thing, you know, so I passed me records, whatever. I changed my set a little bit. As you got over the nerves, like the, the shaky hands. I, I knew that it was going to happen. I've never, right. I've never got over it. I've never got over it. Maybe it was like that. For, once that first thing happened, it just sort of triggered something because my dad's hands shake. You know, my dad's yeah. like a plumber because he like twats on it for like 40 years or whatever. Yeah, your arm's going to shake, you know, like, yeah. it's like, and I used to see and I'm like, I can't have my, I don't want my hands to shake. I can't have that happening, you know. 
and then I guess just from exposure to, and this experience, it's like that happens. My hands shake, like, and that's just the way it is. Anyway, I guess I had, I'd got used to it or I knew it was coming, but it, it was that belief, you know, I was in Sankey's Soap. Again, it's just packed, full. Everybody who I needed to be there was there, you know, noise. It was just like, and I did it, and I did it, and I did it better than I did it in Sheffield. That's the only thing I could say about it. That's all I can really remember. I know I did it better. And um, yeah, I came third, came third. XL came second and um, Pogo won it. But when it came to giving out the prizes, like noise was there, like we're getting, and he's like, I, I remember you. Like, I remember you from the, and I'm like, in this mental, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, man, you know, it's like, a, like well done and everything. And I guess that just kind of happened. Yeah, like, I got my stuff and and then I was back at Asda, you know, like Pogo won. I was in Asda, <laughs> gutted, you know, and just like, shit, man, that's it. So I've watched Rocky and I've watched Juice and I sort of mixed them together, you know, and I've gone for it and it's not worked. <laughs> and then um, the following payday came, the following, got my money. It's like, right, I'm going to go to Manchester, going to go buy my, my records, all the stuff that comes out, all the hottest shit that I've been listening to on Flex playing on Westwood, whatever, all that. And I went in Fat City. And then um, Mark Ray comes in. <laughs> I'm in. I've come from crew and I'm in there for like maybe 25, 20, 20 minutes, 20 minutes max, you know, because I'm digging or like yeah. doing that stuff, but it won't be that long. But it, at the, in this period, Mark Ray comes in, picks up his records from... Uh, you know, whatever. And he's like, hey, you're that guy. You're that guy from, from the TMC the other week. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, Peter Parker, yeah. And he's like, no way, I put you down for first. I put you down for first, you know. Like, I thought you were brilliant. I'm like, you what? And he's like, yeah. Like, uh, so I was a judge of that night and I've got a record label called Grand Central Records and I've got all these... I've got all this stuff coming up. I've got like a full schedule. I've got multiple tours with various artists. Would you be interested in coming and working with us? So, and I was like, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. And that was it, mate. That was it. Like, How long did you have to think about that against saying it as the... Just, you know, it was just, it was just, there was no, it just, it was just... From the, from him saying that to me, and then like I can't remember, but it was only a couple of it was a matter of months, if if a month or maybe weeks. That the next thing I knew, I've got tour dates offered. You know, uh, the first one was um, with a guy called uh, Tony D, who's a yeah. producer from New Jersey, and a guy called YZ, who's an MC, and um, they were doing a tour. It's like right UK tour, maybe going over to Ireland. You know. I'd never even been on a fucking plane, you know. So I'm just like, let's go. This is it, you know. This is like, let's let's, let's do it. And um, were you doing cuts or were you or were you like warming up? Or? No, I was doing cuts. He specifically wanted me to be like an integral part of the band. So it wasn't like, oh, come and DJ. It was like, I want you to come and I want you to kind of do what you like doing. That was that was it. And 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 like and on the first day. Of the rehearsal, the rehearsal was at the upstairs of Sankey Soap. Guess who was there? Who'd been enrolled to play double bass? 
like um Mm-hmm. There's, there's a night that I've been going to with my mate who was at college, um, Pete. He was at Salford Uni, and um, this this guy I'd been going to Collider to see Eardrum, which is this night that, that it was like hip-hop and drum and bass. Once it gets to 12 o'clock, the drum and bass start, you know, kicks in. It was the hypest shit I'd ever seen in my life and uh, because it, it mixed live musicianship with the DJs. You had, so you had the cream of the crop of Manchester. You had like uh, Scruff, Mark Ray, Chubby Grooves, uh, Andy Votel, Mushroom from Massive Attack, just to name a few. But these were the people, and Mark One, shouts to Mark One every time. But uh, he, he, yeah, but he was Mr. Grand Central, you know. It was a very mad time, like, you know, like how things fell into place for me but um <clears throat> I'd been going and seeing Sneak be part of this thing this monthly night that I'm going to I'd never seen people even playing instruments that much apart from like a rock festival and going to gigs with my brother yeah. and everything I'd never seen a double bass before though and he was just like it was like oh my god you know with drums and then they were that good and they played in time over tunes and that which was a very rare thing Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying Winter DJ. I wanted to create a product for the listeners to be able to support the show and for the guests as a token of gratitude for being on. So I've teamed up with SureShot Shop to create some Winter DJ 45 RPM adapter clamps. These are my weapon of choice as a 45 adapter as they add stability and grip to aid you in any setup. These are available for £25 each plus flat fee postage from winterdj.bigcartel.com and if you'd like to see the other models you can buy and also customise, check out showshotshop.com. If you're a DJ who's been wanting to get into production but don't know where to start, or if you're looking to level up your beat making skills, look no further than howtomakemusic.co's online courses and personal coaching. Chris, the founder of How To Make Music, as well as knowing a load about music production, was once a DJ, and so his courses are ideal for the likes of us. From the Music Theory Essentials course to the incredibly thorough Ableton Turbo Start, there's a ton of good information to get you developing your music production skills. In addition to the video tutorials, there's a load of reference guides and they even offer personal coaching to get you where you want to be even quicker. And if you buy any course at howtomakemusic.co using the code ONCEADJ at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. So what are you waiting for? Visit howtomakemusic.co. And uh, anyway, so cut back to the first day of rehearsal. There's this guy, double bass player. I'm like, fucking no way. So I'm here with this guy from New Jersey, dude from Atlanta, sneaky on a double bass. All I've got to do is scratch. Let's go. Like, it's finally begun, you know. Anyway, they were doing their tunes, and I'm doing some just some cuts, and you know, like using a scratch record and bits and bats were talking. And uh, they, they're like, right, let's have a break. Uh, so they got off and Sneak starts playing this bass line and at that point I was obsessed with the scratch pickles and everything you know like that was anything I could get the night that I came third at the DMC there was a dude called Gino who had befriended at Fresh 97 and he was holding above the crowd in the air a VHS copy of uh, Invisible Scratch Pickles versus uh, versus the X-Men which is legendary like a, battle. Exactly. So legendary. That became what I, I started to meld that with like 
you know, thinking like that's how it's that's how it's got to be. So I became obsessive about cutting drums. Um, beat juggling was my thing at first. You know, that's what I felt like. I'm like, I'm good at this, you know. And I, I thought that my cutting and that lagged a bit, but then uh, when Sneak played that bass line, all I wanted to do was scratch drums over it. And I had yeah. this toasted marshmallow feet breaks, which had everything that I needed on it. You know, jack, 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 woo, bam, we're just coming in like that. Mark comes back in with Tony and like YZ and like, Parker, what the hell are you doing? You know, like that. <laughs> That's kind of how, you know. And we're like, don't know, don't know. And then moments later, it's like, right, would you be up for doing that? The during the tour, during the Tony D and YZ tour, like yeah, let's go. You know, I don't know, we don't even know what we're doing. Me and Sneaker just grinning from ear to ear, like what the fuck's going on, you know. And that's the way it went down. Like we we we'd go and um uh, so on the the first night, I, I would stop at Marks because I'm still living in Crew at the time, and um I stopped at Marks and I met YZ. He gave me, like, I, I saw he had an open suitcase. I'm like, oh, man, your shirts are sick. Because he had all these Ralph Lauren shirts. I, like, I, like, I'd only ever seen the logo. I didn't really know what it was or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, pick one. I'm like, what? You know, he's like, pick one. And I'm like, you're kidding, aren't you? And I'm holding, holding, holding it up, and it's massive. You know, it's like, it's so, so big. And he's like, he's like I like you, Pete. Pick a shirt like this. And I'm like... It's just can't believe this, you know. So the next thing I know, I'm wearing a giant, you know, Ralph Lauren polo shirt. I only just told Sneak the other day, you know, while we were in Berlin, that YZ gave it me because I didn't want him to think. Do you know what I mean? He's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want him to think like, oh yeah, YZ's giving me a fucking shirt or any of that shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was yeah. That's what I'd sport uh, on the tour. You know, which I guess YZ would really buzz off. But I was just like these dudes, and then. I remember being downstairs and Tony D's getting absolutely tatered. I mean, tatered, you know, like, um, just doing all sorts of stuff that I'd never seen before, you know? And I'm just like, man, I fucking, I'm in seventh heaven here. I'm like, I'm in a guy's house who runs a record label. I've been given a fucking shirt by a rapper. And then there's this producer (laughs) who I'm getting blitzed with, you know, first, the first day. And, um, and then what transpired over that tour, like Mark's like, Parker, do you think you could make music? You know, do you think you, think you could make some stuff? Like, and I'm like, come on, like, yeah, just yes, instant yes. No, like, no, just blind yes. I don't even know what it entails. Just show me where it is and I'll do it. And um, yeah, uh, and I think even during that week, he, he gave me like an emu sampler. He lent me an emu sampler and I got this, uh, MIDI keyboard and stuff. Turned out that Sneak had done a course in like Cubase or whatever. Um, and they're just the, the yeah it, the way it went. Oh, uh, that, actually, it was Mark. He helped me to make my first beat, and they made this beat. And I remember like I, I can't remember how many days we were stopping at Mark's house, but he's like, play Tony the the beat, you know? Like yeah, yeah, wicked. So I put it on. Tony D was in the back of the car. And I, after it's, it's like two and a half minutes or whatever, and he's like, man, that's the wackiest shit I ever heard. Like this, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like I fucking, it's like I know what every sample is and you got to do better, like kind of like that. And I'm like, 
I mean, it hurt, you know? I was just like, fuck you, you know? Like, it was weird, you know? Like, because I've got to do this. Again, like, I think this, I have to do this. I can't take that. And it, and it like, yeah, it did my, it hurt. It hurt, you know, because it's like, here's this guy yeah. who's this legend and he just told me it was shit as fuck. But it, but it, it probably was. But that didn't matter. It was, it was the the words were said, you know, and it, it just get, lit this fire inside me, you know, where unfortunately from that point onwards, I was a bit like uh, about Tony D. But that was just me securing things for myself. If you see what I see, what yeah, I mean, I, yeah. like I have to, I had to frame certain people in my in my experiences because I've got, I've never done this shit. I've never done any of this stuff before. I hadn't even, you know, like even those experiences of being in front of crowds. I go and do the DMC, and then the next thing, I'm 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 going on a UK tour, playing in sold out venues, and I'm just the guy who cuts. I'm the, you know, but my ego and everything. I mean, because we'd get to the bit where it's like, right, this is Sneaky and Peter Parker. They're gonna do this thing. You ain't never heard anything like this. Go down, 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 down. We're going, and they're just jumping. I can't, particularly in Scotland, you know, like on a Monday night in in Dundee or whatever, you know. I guess it's like because I've been listening back to some of the finger thing stuff the past few days, and I've kind of had thoughts about it, and and just listening to a lot of the a lot of the cue points of like the 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 way that you did the pause stuff with the with the film soundtracks, blending things like that in the visuals, the mix master mic influence, definitely. For sure. Um, Cause thinking about how you lay things up on those first couple of albums and it, and it, and it seems like there was all these different things that played a part into you, in you kind of finding who you were. And then all of a sudden, like all the, everything just kind of like happened really fast afterwards. So that must've been a bit of a head fuck. You know, things are happening without you even having the time to to, to uh, um, process them. Like, all of a sudden, you're basically in a band. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, me and, and Sneak. Like, Sneak's a year older, and he had the experience and stuff. But, like, again, I'd done, the, I'd done like, the battle, and it got me to that point. But when I met Sneak... I, it, that was what I wanted. Like, I just thought he was like the cool, like, he's look at that instrument he's playing, you know, like, imagine, like, what he could do. It's like me on a turntable and you on the bass. And it became, it from the get-go, we, you know, kind of knew that that was what was going to happen. And Mark knew, every, you know, and then Mark would tell everybody at the label, like, people would come and they're just like, wow you know, wow, or like, I've never seen anything like that before, you know, and, and, um, and it, again, it was like that belief thing, having to develop some kind of belief because I didn't have the experience. So, and I'll be honest, like, all that I really had was like attitude because I thought that that was the best delivery for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would just stand there and I'll be like, I'm going to fucking own this shit. And it may look like that, but inside I am fucking terrified. I mean, I, you know, like I'm just a kid who is in this position and I'm going with it because I have no other option. And, um, and I, and yeah. Um, and 
you know, would go and just have these experiences and it was just surreal is the best way I can put it because, you know, it, everything all of a sudden is like flipped on me and I've no, like, I don't, I don't, I don't have to have like that kind of imposter. I know I've done the work. Do you know what I mean? I know I've yeah. kind of paid, I've paid the due to get me into this position. So I felt like I right I had a right to be there but also you know <laughs> I have no other option I have no other option and it, it the craziest thing right craziest few other things happened so at this time um DJing and having a DJ in bands was like really going off and like I say like Mark One he was uh the Grand Central and Fat City guy it was it was him you know rightly so mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was brilliant. He, he DJed for like numerous like outfits and then he was where I wanted to be. So I had to kind of almost like, mm, I think in my own mind kind of vilify him a little bit. Like I, yeah. I, I, I need to be where this guy is. I don't know how, how I'm going to do that. Uh, but what happened was Texas uh Charlene Spateri and Mark go way back they're all old mates and she was like he's a great DJ like and we're going on tour and we want to incorporate it like he because Mark showed her how to use an MPC and there's all this all this stuff you know all this instrumental stuff they had the remix with is it RZA that's on it <sighs> I don't know yeah they had some sort of Wu-Tang remix of one of the Texas songs she's she bang into it, mate. She's top. Yeah. Like she ended up coming down and, and met her. She's fucking cool. Like, but Mark ended up becoming part of the band because this opportunity came and it was like, but if you're going to do this, then that's it. You know, you're going to, it'll be like, see you later. And he took it. He took it, you know, to his credit. Like he just fucking went for it. And yeah. what that did was create this, you know, this kind of gay thing, hole for me to just slot right into and that's what happened but uh i did have to do a battle battled in one time like in sankey's it was like i can't remember what it was but it was just like oh yeah you know parker and mark one or whatever but I, at that time i was all technical my ability was all because i just didn't I, all i had was like the attitude you know and i remember like but mark he just had everything you know and he just fucking wiped the floor with me you know, it's just like, oh, <laughs> like I, he, he did this thing like uh, uh, the super sharp shooter. And it was just like it was it was it was rough and it was sick. Like he, he, he his style's very aggressive. And um, and it was weird, like, you know, going through that. Yeah, I can imagine. So what was the next step in touring then? That was the first ever tour was Tony D and YZ and then what happened was Ray and Christian as a an outfit was developing they were already a production duo and you had like Northern Sulfuric Soul Um, and what happened was um, Ray and Christian as a live outfit was starting to develop so Mark definitely had like a vision of how he wanted to tour a production duo and um, Mar- um, Steve was very much just wanted to make tunes he wasn't actually that massive 
on the live thing, but Mark kind of knew how good a promotional tool it would be. Uh, yeah. So he basically went about to kind of pick this uh, very lethal cocktail of 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 um, of great musicians to to do a version of Ray and Christian's music live, and that happened over the course of maybe uh, like a year, if that. Before I know it, you know, we're going to Australia for a couple of weeks. Um, um, and you know going on a tour and just yeah like I guess you know like Ray and Christian they had sold their publishing they're, they were published by Sony so even though Mark's kind of doing this thing like he had kind of done this which sort of elevated everything that they were doing so that the opportunities that they were given to do gigs and that were coming from far and wide, you know. So all Mark yeah. really needed was just to get a, a potent band together, and um, yeah, and me and Sneaky were like integral cogs in that. Even though Mark was a, a DJ himself, he knew that having us on board would be like uh, would be um, a positive, a plus, whatever you want to call it. But Mark, like bless yeah. him at the same time, you know, he's like doing a Ray and Christian gig. He's like, look, I want to introduce you now to these two guys. This is Finger Thing, you know? So in a Ray and Christian gig, Mark's already like, this is Finger Thing. Like this guy, I can't, I can't put into words how, you know, like the opportunity that, that he, that he gave me. And then the, the stuff that other people didn't see ever in, that I have, he saw it and he fucking nurtured it and polished it and, you know, like, and just, he gave me everything, you know, like in terms of opportunity, which I took, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think that the whole Grand Central sort of movement was really big, wasn't it? And and looking at the people they had on, you know, they had, they had people like The Far Side, certainly on the second album, Bobby Womack, you know, they had some pretty impressive connections and people that were working with them. You know, he had Mr. Scruff in the sort of fold, AIM. I mean, that first AIM album. Come on, mate. Andy Turner. There was so much good stuff coming out then, yeah. Shouts to, shouts to Andy, and, and he was like, you know, we were very, very proud to be, you know, because I'd got, like, loop dreams, you know, like, even before, like, a few months before I started doing stuff or had any affiliation you know so it's like right you're going to be working this label no way aims on it like that's sick man he's actually mm. really fucking you know and hearing the other dudes and that i'm like this is this is wicked you know and um and it, it was just like just an amazing team of like lovely people but then you know i'm 21 or 22 and i'm on a bus you know going around europe it's like 13 or 14 of us going around doing gigs rider every day mate you mentioned the far side I can remember being at Amsterdam for Amsterdam Drum Rhythm Festival and we're supposed to meet the far side at 6 o'clock in the morning and we like roll up you know and they're like right there you go here's your here's your passes here's everything oh there's the far side you know just these dudes it's fucking they weren't even light yet you know just see these guys no way they're out there like and uh, like Imani and uh, Boo Brown and um, 
And they're like, like, yeah, there's your rider. Oh, and there's your other rider. Like, no way. What's the other? You know, like, whoa, there's another rider? Like, damn. <laughs> like, uh, I don't really want to, I guess I don't know how much I can say, or, but like uh, this other, yeah, rider of like, you know, all sorts of can probably of take a guess. Yeah, take 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 a few guesses because the bag was full, man, and it was like, and I'm just and I'm with all these musicians and like they gave me like like a Mark Mark and a guy called Chris Crooks who was a percussionist, just loved digging. They that you know so I got introduced like like right, you know we go to like Dundee and and like Groucho's this sick record shop where we go oh they're gonna it's closed but they're gonna open it for you. Do you know why? You know, cause, cause, because of Mark and, you know, Ray and Christian, all this shit. It's like sick, you know. Like, no way. It's like, Parker, come in here, right? Or floors full of records, like pound a record or whatever. And at this point, I'm getting like PDs, you know, and I'll just eat like a fucking Karabakh and a Wambar or something like that, you know, like, and whatever's on the rider, just buy records or toys, figures. Just like, it's like, I was like, at that point, mate, I was just like spending all my money. <laughs> We went to Australia, and uh, I got two weeks worth of PDs, and um, I went straight to what, what Ch- PDs? Sorry, like, oh, it's called like per diems, so it's like money. You get like oh, a bit like of money to live on per day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A bit of money per day, and I went straight to because I was like mad for like Godzilla, and I knew they had a Chinatown. Went straight to Chinatown, found this store that had like all these like sick figures and that. And there's this one Godzilla, like a mechanized Godzilla. It was three hundred dollars. I just fucking bought it. Just spent spent all my PDs, and then the next thing, and it's like we we don't we've not even been there a day, and I'm there just like walking, because there's a photo somewhere, and I'm just walking proud as punch, holding this like giant like Godzilla, that's like had a skeleton in it, and I had to talk like air hostesses into putting it in there cupboards so that I could get it across the tour safely you know without getting bashed in that it was crazy mate that's nuts but it must be amazing doing all that stuff at that age I mean yeah, yeah. I mean I, I, I was just I was it, it was just I, I, I felt like I felt like I was in the playground for my eternal youth I felt like I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be you know that's all that's all I could really yeah. say you know but at that time it's just like I just felt like I'd made it, you know, <laughs> even though it's just spending like, a, you know, some PDs and whatnot. Well, I think that's probably a good place for us to stop this episode then, because we've got a lot more to get through on the next one. Um, so thanks a lot for your time, Peter, and I'll speak to you soon. And for everyone that's listening, stay tuned for part two of Peter Parker, and that'll be with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Once a DJ podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback or any suggestions for guests, please just get in touch with us at onceadjpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at onceadjpodcast. Take care and we'll speak to you soon. Oh, that was nice.